the reason that LinkedIn was created was to help create warm connections. It has evolved. I'll have people say to me all the time, you're super, super active on LinkedIn. Does your employer care about that? Like, what are you talking about? Um, it's, it's a business tool. I'm not using it to look for my next job. And that's sort of sometimes the perception that comes from LinkedIn. It's a tool that recruiters use, or you get real active if you're looking for a job. No, of course, that's one thing that you can use it for. But if I can go into my network, if I'm trying to reach somebody at, we'll say Best Buy, and I go to my network and I see, oh, I, I know this person who works there, or I've got this connection who's connected to the CMO, now I can reach out to them and ask for an introduction and I make a warm connection. That's one small step for man. Liftoff. We, have a liftoff. we choose to go to the moon, not because they are easy, but because they I are I have hard. a dream. You can't handle the truth. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Super, 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 super. Super you. Thank you for joining us for today's Super You podcast. I'm your host, Eric Qualman. Most of you know me as Equal Man. Today we have Kitty Hart, and she's the VP of Client Brand Experience at Heroic Productions. With over 28 years of experience, she specializes in creating unforgettable in-person events for large corporations and organizations. I'm excited about today's conversation. Coming off the pandemic, we're doing live events again. Obviously, I speak on stage a lot. Kitty's an expert on making these amazing. You should see it. Go check it out online. Just some of the beautiful events she's put on. When I say events, she's really putting on experiences. I mean, it's really incredible. Just the celebrities she works with or just the spaces that she deals with to make it unforgettable. I saw Delta Air airplane she was in a hangar for one of one of the deals and she has jane goodall in an amazing gorgeous lit place so it's it's just incredible uh what we're going to talk about here today so welcome to the show kitty thank you so much for having me wonderful to see you no it's so great to see you um, i always like to start off just super high level like one or two minutes just kind of your your superhero story you know if it's like a comic book hero like just tell me a little bit about your journey uh, just so the audience knows a little bit more about kitty hart yeah sure um well happy to be here speaking with you and love 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 talking about experiential marketing um, i've spent the majority of my career in marketing but mostly in a business development role uh, so I feel like everything that I know today about marketing, branding, experiential, it's all come from just being in a consultative position with clients. Uh, so I think about this a lot lately as I am now 56 years old and in the prime of my career. When I look back to um, graduating from college with a liberal arts degree and not having any any idea what I wanted to do at a certain point decided I wanted to go into sales so that I could have control over my own success or failure. Right. And like, yes. if you put the work in, you will see the, the result. Um, and if you don't put the work in, well, you've got no one to blame. Um, and so I decided that sales was a good way to do that and absolutely fell in love with it. So what we're going to talk about today is the the sweet spot really of marketing and definitely something that is really really important in today's day and age. 
No, I love it. I love the background that you have because a lot of our listeners mm -hmm. out there, some of them are in marketing. And I always laugh. I, my background is in marketing. And it's kind of like when you're in marketing, you're doing the same work of sales. You're just not getting commissioned for it. You get a lot more heat. So it's kind of funny how that works. Yeah. But the, the marketing world shifted a lot when you think about just the data and the analytics side of things. Mm -hmm. So uh, much larger seat at the table because a lot of companies are run by marketing. Their mm -hmm. success is driven by marketing and sales. They go hand in hand. Walk me through the, the way people that you mentioned it earlier, they, they buy differently today. The way yeah. people buy has changed. How do you sell? Like, how have you changed the way you sell based on the, the buying behaviors changed? Yeah. So we've seen a move from, and I'll go all the way back to like the early 90s, uh, when there started to be a, a shift from mass marketing to people wanting a more one-to-one -one experience. And fast forward to today, people, uh, thanks to technology, and this doesn't even have to do with the pandemic. Um, the pandemic did, you know, the pandemic uh, certainly escalated things, but in general, it was technology that has really caused the biggest shift in consumer behaviors. So we as human beings we generally want to go through as much of the sales process as possible on our own before we talk to a salesperson. And the internet allows us to do that. So most people, of course, you'll come across people who'll say, nope, when I know that I need something, I want to go straight to a salesperson. Okay, I think they're few and far between. But people generally want to do as much research as possible till they feel equipped and ready. All right, now I'm ready to talk to a salesperson. Let's get this deal done. The moral of the story to brands, to companies of all shapes and sizes is that if you have not infused technology into your sales process, you're going to have friction. You're going to have a really hard time reaching people and connecting with people. No, you're right. And I'm guessing with Heroic Productions that you're, when you guys are reaching out to folks, obviously you've got long-term commitments and long-term partners and the best customer and partner always comes from word of mouth, like mm -hmm. this person recommends you. But obviously all of us have to do some form of cold outreach for lack of a better term. Yeah. When you're doing that outreach, what type of people are you looking for? Is the title vice president of events? I'm asking this because obviously mm -hmm. I'm a speaker. We do this. And then a lot of our listeners are, are in the space as well. Sure. Yep. What, what's the title that you're looking for? Is it vice president of events? or And how do you go about, walk us through how do you do kind of that cold outreach and does it work and, and how does yeah. it work? Sure. So yes, it is. There are um, the, the bigger corporations have event teams. So there is probably a director of events or director of meetings and events. And we like to go, you know, as high as we possibly can. So oftentimes there is a VP position. Sometimes too, we get the attention of the CEO because they might be at, at an at an event and they're having an experience and they're they walk away from it thinking, whoever did that. I want our event team to know. <laughs> so um, it's wonderful to be able to get the attention of the C-suite and have them say, hey, guys, check out check out this team over at Heroic. Um, but and then the director level as well. And like I said, the bigger the company, the more robust the team. Are you on LinkedIn and looking for that title? And is it primarily manual at this point? I saw that you're certified in a lot of HubSpot capability mm -hmm. and a lot of our listeners use hubspot and hubspot's okay. rolling out some ai tools 
that might make some of that outreach a little easier. I don't know. I'd love to know if you guys are testing any of that or is it still sort of manual? You go and search on LinkedIn for the title, find the people and then find their contact information somehow. It's pretty manual for us right now. We haven't tested any of the AI, although I look forward to doing that. Um, So yes, word of mouth, we will ask our clients for uh, referrals. Uh, but LinkedIn is just such a good tool, always has been. Uh, of course, there are always things that I wish they would improve, um, but it's just such a good database of people and you, there's such a wealth of information that you can get from it. And I always want to remind people the true reason, the reason that LinkedIn was created was to help create warm connections. It has evolved as, you know, I'll have people say to me all the time, you're super, super active on LinkedIn. Does your employer care about that? Like, what are you talking about? Um, it's, it's a business tool. I'm not using it to look for my next job. And that's sort of sometimes the perception that comes from LinkedIn. It's a tool that recruiters use, or you get real active if you're looking for a job. No, of course, that's one thing that you can use it for. But if I can go into my network, if I'm trying to reach somebody at, we'll say Best Buy, uh, and I go to my network and I see, oh, I I know this person who works there, or I've got this connection who's connected to the CMO, now I can reach out to them and ask for an introduction and I make a warm connection. So that's always my preference. But then you can't always avoid the true cold call. So then it's just a matter of finding the right person and LinkedIn helps you do that. The title, do a little bit of research on that person so that when you reach out, they don't feel like they're being cold called. Right. No, it makes sense. That's smart. And so just dig in just a little bit where they go to school. There's always, I feel, and you might agree with it, that there's somehow that we're connected some way, somehow it might be a hobby. It might be where you went to school. It might be where you grew up, but there's some form of connection. It might be what you like to cook. You know? uh-huh. So it's, it's very fascinating. If you dig deep enough, there's, you're connected to someone somehow, yeah. some way. Yeah. And so that's, um, I always encourage people too on your LinkedIn profile, put something personal in there about yourself beyond just where you went to school. So on mine, I think I still have this on mine. I say if uh, my dream job is to be a Food Network chef and my favorite recipe is butternut squash risotto. I've gotten so many messages from people asking about that. Um, it's just something a little bit different that will pique someone's interest and make you a little bit more memorable. I love it. That's very memorable. Butternut squash risotto. It's very specific too. And that's the more specific, <laughs> the better. It really stands out. That's no, so true. What do you like most about your job? Every day is different. Every client need is different. Every event is different. And it's a really, really creative industry. Again, just kind of put into a nutshell what we do. We do corporate event marketing and corporate event marketing falls under the umbrella of experiential So if let's say that we are working for a global company and once a year they bring their thousands of employees together for education, celebration, product launch, whatever, whatever it might be, it's usually at some wonderful destination and it is a true stage production. So what I love about it is the creativity, the theatrical components of it. We're thinking about 
how will this brand show up over the course of these three days or four days or one day, whatever it is? What is the staging going to look like? Who's going to be on the stage? How do we make those people look and sound as good as they possibly can? And most importantly, when people walk away, the employees walk away from that event, they get on the plane and they go home, they are motivated, they're energized, they're more bonded to the company that they work for. And so what I love about it is working with our clients to determine how do we do that? What are the different things that we can do? Who can we put on the stage? How do we present the key messages? A lot of moving parts. Lots of moving parts. And obviously, I know the who part because that's the part I usually deal with. Yeah. And the who part, just asking for a friend, how do, how do you get on stage? Like what separates the person that's put on stage when someone asks you, we need someone for this event, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden three people pop into your mind? How do those people get into your mind? How do they get on that list? Some of the first questions that we will ask our client is, you know, what's what's going on inside your company right now? What are the priorities that you want to make sure people take in and and walk away with from the event? What's important to you? Mission? We dig deep into that because we want to make sure that the speakers or the entertainers that are placed within the experience match up. This goes back many years when Harley Davidson was doing one of their big, big event in Milwaukee. They they had a super secret entertainment guest. Everybody, the audience was there. These are bikers. These are Harley Davidson enthusiasts, right? And this celebrity was kept quiet. And then stage opens and out comes Elton John. And there was this thud. Now, we love Elton John. We, as a, you know, in popular culture, of course, Elton John is iconic. But is he right for the Harley Davidson audience? No. So who put those two things together? So it's different for every client. But that's where our speaker and entertainment executives begin in thinking about What is the match with the brand? And what do you want this person to be talking about, to be presenting, and to leave the audience with? No, I love it. And when you figured out the match, your whole team, do you figure it out internally? Like, here's the three we think are good fits. Or do you work closely with one specific bureau that helps you? Or no, you do it internally, and then you reach out to, if you have to go through a bureau, you go through a bureau. If not, you go direct. Yeah, it's it's been internal. Um, And it's basically a proposal, you know, it's basically saying, okay, here are three great options and here's why. Here's some examples of what they've done and who they've spoken to and the books that they've written and, you know, the films they've put out, et cetera. Then there's just lots of conversation with the client to say, okay, yeah, we like this idea. Um, And then, and then our executives reach out and go through the negotiation process. Sometimes it's directly with them, but, you know, they've got handlers, they've got agents, um, they've got booking agents. So that's how how that happens. And it's always based on budget too. You know, yeah. we'll have clients come to us and they'll say, oh, I just don't think we can afford a really, you know, big top tier. Well, you know what? You don't know until we start going through the process. And until, you know, these are just ideas. So there's no harm in in going through the the thought process and and checking. You never know who's 
on the road, who's going to be perhaps in the same city at the time that your conference is, the stars might align that makes something affordable at one time or another. Yeah, I mean, there's always talk about a tool. It'll happen at some point. I haven't looked at doing it myself uh, a couple of years ago where you have like basically TripAdvisor for these entertainers, speakers. You dig deeper in would be a calendar functionality that showed this person's already speaking in Milwaukee so you can get them for half price because they're already there. Oh my so, gosh, yeah. yes, that's so. brilliant. Here's something too that is kind of new here to Heroic. We are now... We're housing an amazing hologram technology. Um, It's called Proto and put out by Transcend Media Group. So one of the big investors is Howie Mandel. And the hologram technology isn't new. It's been around for quite a while. In fact, I remember many years ago, Walmart used it for one of their big, big, big events. And they actually hologrammed Sam Walton onto the stage. And it was after he was no longer living. Um, so this is this is not new technology, but it's being perfected over and over again. And so we have one of the devices here. And what it does is it would allow you to hologram uh, a speaker or an entertainer onto your stage, and they're actually in another location. Now, some would say, well, isn't that just like having them there virtually? Yeah, technically, but the visual of this is incredible. It is like that person is standing there uh, you're in the in the device but it is crystal clear and you can have interaction with them as well it can be live so that's something too that we're interested in seeing how that will evolve for um, speakers who may not be able to travel or if you are a ceo and you need to be in four places at once there's also an application there it's cool stay tuned for this because uh we're going to do some interesting things with it I love it. Yeah, it's really cool technology. And I like your example. I found it most useful for, say, a CEO or someone that needs to be in multiple mm-hmm. places at once. Um, it is a better experience than, say, a flat screen, as you mentioned, virtual screen. When we checked into it five years ago, it's just for us, it's just too expensive. It's cheaper mm-hmm. for me to actually physically be there. Do you mind me asking? You might not know the cost. At the time when we looked at it, it was going to cost to get all the equipment to do everything. It was roughly going to be like fifty to seventy thousand. Literally made more sense just for me to to get there. But yeah, we were looking at it from a standpoint of I'm already booked on a date and I need to be in two other cities. How do we do that? Do you know what the cost range is? From what I understand, in working with this team that we're collaborating with to have it here, costs have come down, uh, yeah. but it's still I think still probably going to be around thirty k. Yeah, but it makes sense. I mean, if you can get it because you have to physically have the equipment in both places. Uh, yes. But it's moving fast. So I love that you guys are on the tip of the spear on that. Is there anything you wish people knew about your job? Oh, boy. Well, so just speaking from this, the sales process, and this will kind of back up a little bit to what we were talking about earlier, you know, as far as how we uh, how we reach out to people, how we connect with people. The sales process is long. And uh, while I really love being in a sales role uh, because it's, it's talking, we're talking to people all the time. We're, I look at it more as matchmaking. We're simply trying to find people who have a need for what we do. I'm never going to cram something down someone's throat. If you don't have a need for our services, it's not a match. We move on. Uh, But it is a long sales process. And oftentimes too, in this industry, people have trusted resources. And so you're, 
your opportunity oftentimes is uh, when there's been a change in a team member. Unfortunately, if something has gone awry with a partner that has been used before, then you know hopefully you're in the right place. So I guess to answer that question, it's just the role that I have, the role that any salesperson has inside an organization. It's hard. It's more and more difficult to connect with people than ever before, which is why we are leaning on the technology that we are leaning on, which is why HubSpot has risen to where it is today and others keep emerging as well. The technology is really important to infuse into your process. And then just double click a little bit on HubSpot. So a lot of folks out there, I'm sure they're smaller. They're just, they're running like all of us do. You start off on Excel, Google Sheets, you start off on a Google Sheet, you've got all your contacts on there year to year, you got tabs open. And then you try to go to a more robust uh, customer relation management system like HubSpot, so a CRM. What has been the biggest benefit CRM wise with HubSpot? Like what thing, if you just say boil it down to one thing, if like Darmesh or Brian, they started HubSpot, they're sitting here and go, what's the one thing yeah. That you really love that you use, like what's the technical piece that you use? It might be a template. They have HubSpot templates, but what's the one thing that you use? Yeah. Like that's been game changing for me. Game changer sequences. And what are sequences? What is that? Yeah. So you can inside HubSpot create a sequence of events, which might be an email and then a call, and then an email and a call, or let's just say email, email, email. And so you go in and you develop, you create this sequence. So it's the chain of the, you write each of those messages so that you're basically saying, hey, here's my message number one to you. If a response doesn't come in, then message number two will automatically go out within a period of time. And I set that period of time. If no response is generated, then third message will go out. And you write each of those messages so that they make sense. Hey, I reached out to you last week. And so as I'm saying this, people are probably nodding their heads saying, I've been on the receiving end of those. Because <laughs> sometimes you can tell that you're, yeah. you know, but that's why you need good writers. You need somebody on your marketing team that is good at writing these sequence messages so that you don't feel like you're just on the other end of an automated email. But these can be really powerful because the whole idea is HubSpot automates the things that are super, super manual. And that's what sequence does in spades. No, that's huge. If a response comes in, it shuts the sequence off. Okay. Okay. And it flags you. It says, hey, well, you you get the message. And now, now you've made a connection. Now you've opened a door and now it can become personal. That's good. And the sequencing, does it allow for you, say for the second one, and you're sending out to say John Deere, mm-hmm. does it say we're about to send this out and then you can manually adjust some of it so oh. it's specific to John Deere? No, it's it's going on. No, but, but it is. So it has customization built in, right? So you're putting the fields in. So it's always going to say Deere, Brad, you can customize in the body of it as well. So it'll pull in information from his contact record. You can put links in, you can do anything within the body of that message, but no, it's not gonna tell you, it's not gonna say, hey, message number two is going out today. Okay, but for the first message, so instead of saying, hey, I'd love to work with you on your event, it might say, hey, 
your event in Costa Rica for Delta, your Delta customer experience was incredible. Are you able to do that or not necessarily? Yes, you craft that message to be exactly what you want it to be. Okay, and then the sequence takes over. That makes sense. Yeah. You mentioned call. Is that just send you a ping? Hey, you might want to call this person and then you just yep. call them? It'll send you a task. It says your first email went out. When I set the sequence up, I made it so that, okay, my next touch is going to be a call. I'm actually mm-hmm. going to call. Now, that is one thing that has become more challenging in the world that we live in today. People don't answer their phone. People screen their their calls. People aren't in the office as much. So do we have mobile numbers? We don't always have mobile numbers. Calls are more challenging. Yeah, I always say, especially some of these associations at our team, I go, if they have a fax machine, <laughs> I go, that thing never gets a fax. So if you sent a fax, like just something funny, even just a character or handwritten thing, yeah. so it's going to be like, hey, what is this? Thing? Especially someone that's younger is like, wait, this machine's spitting things out. What is this? It's printed on a piece of paper. So that's awesome. Oh, man. And then you mentioned budget earlier. What is the current state of live events? Some mm-hmm. have been saying it's booming because we're coming off this pandemic. People are working remote. So the only way in hybrid and virtual. So there's a bigger emphasis on events because that's the one time the team's now getting together. They're not all going into the office per se. On a scale of one to 10, 10 being this thing's all time high, booming like crazy. Where would you put it one to 10, the, the entire industry in terms of the events? I would say eight. Yeah. I mean, it definitely came back in a big way. And the only reason that I'm not putting it at 10 is because budgets are still a little tight, a little mm-hmm. tighter than we would hope them to be. But also, I mean, I was having this conversation recently with, with somebody else. And I think I, what came to my mind is, you know what? I don't think we'll ever be back to the free spending that we we experienced in the 80s. So I'm starting to date myself just a little bit. But if you think about, if you think back to the 80s, back to the Mad Men era of advertising, it was spend galore. So budgets aren't quite back to where they were, I believe, but everybody's back to wanting to do events. And most of what we're doing right now are live in person. The one little thing that has uh, continued on from the pandemic is that clients want to add in that virtual component. So if there are people who don't want to travel, there is a virtual experience for them. Okay. And what would you say percentage-wise, if you went, there's virtual, hybrid, and live, what percent, how'd you break those down right now? What's the percentage? I would say 75% are live fully in person. And then 25% probably have that hybrid component built into it in some way. Okay. And then zero for just pure virtual. Yeah. As I think about what we've been doing over the last few months, can't think of any that we've done that have just been virtual. Okay. And then you said earlier, the sales cycle is quite long. How long is it? Because on the speaker side, we've seen the opposite. It used to be you'd booked sometimes a year out occasionally uh-huh. two years out but historically it would be probably six months and now we're seeing it's really one to three months heck i got a deal on the plate for india that's august 5th and that's not unusual now and, and that came in yesterday and oh so, my word <laughs> yeah that happens especially international they're a little different on timing but what do you see in your sales cycles what are they usually uh so for a specific event i would say it is a year in advance mm-hmm. when i'm specifically talking about the sales process around 
landing a brand new client. That's that's the long sales process. That can be years. Yeah. And because you're you're waiting for that moment where either somebody has there's been a change on the team or there's been a mess up with the production team that has been doing the event. So that's where you need to have this long-term, hey, how can I stay engaged with this contact and not be annoying, <laughs> right? And not right. just not just look like, uh, you know, a vendor that's trying to sell something. Um, that's the long, long, long sales process. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. And then switching gears, we've got five minutes left here. So now we get into kind of the fun, quirky part of the show. What's the weirdest thing you've ever seen at a live event? I loved your story about Harley Davidson and the juxtaposition Elton John. So what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen at a live event? One of the coolest experiences that the heroic team here got to work on, you alluded to it earlier in the conversation, it's actually doing an event in an airplane hangar. And one of the props within the experience was a Delta airplane. Um, so that's a, a very cool client that we have in conjunction with one of our agency partners. Uh, and so we talk about an immersive experience, right? When you walk into, oh, what, where our event is going to be in an airline hangar, cool. And then you walk in and there is a jumbo jet and that is you know, part of your backdrop. Yeah, we're talking about an airplane as a prop, right? These bigger than life components just create such an amazing wow factor. No, they're huge. I mean, like I said, go check it out. Uh, Heroic Productions, they've got amazing imagery. Just some of the stuff you guys put together is incredible. Just to be able to physically get that there is amazing. Yeah. Um, funny enough, when I was when we were talking, just it popped into my head. I was like, one of the weirdest things that happened to me was I went to Thailand to speak. I knew I was speaking two days, two days meaning I was speaking for my normal time, which is like an hour, first day, hour, second day. But there's there's something lost in translation because I got there and literally the day before I walked in to test the stage and, and they have the huge, huge like picture of my head on the stage. I go, that's odd. Uh, for this event and then they show me the agenda and I was on stage from nine to five both days oh I was there the full time you've got translators so it's not like U.S. where you probably go to Q&A it wouldn't be that painful uh, but just like having to scramble for that was crazy creating content um, on the fly to to fill in that amount of time so it's kind of wild that one was crazy oh I can't even imagine <laughs> All right, what's uh what's your favorite podcast book that you think our listeners should should check out? Okay, I have really gotten into the Mel Robbins podcast lately. Mm -hmm. That's probably one that a lot of people would uh, that would be a lot of people's answer. It's become my morning pick me up a couple days a week because I think she puts out new podcasts like two days a week. Just very inspirational and easy to listen to. Uh, you can always take something away from it that you can infuse into your day. Yeah, Mel's great. Uh, Mel Robbins, for those not familiar, she's actually a fellow Michigander, just like myself. Uh, and I've been at a couple of events with her. She's great. She's really blown up the last 10 years. So it's just fun to watch her career oh. accelerate. She's someone to follow, just how to rebrand yourself. And also just she's got great, great insight content. The thing she does best is on social. She's very real. So she'll get on there without any makeup on. Uh, the kids are going nuts in the background. So uh, she's fantastic. That's that's a that's a real good recommendation. What is your favorite 
piece of advice you've ever received? So what came to my mind right away is trust the process. And it's it's not necessarily that, it's not necessarily trust the process, but trust the journey that is in front of you. So many people today are just wrecked with anxiety and fear about what's in front of them. And maybe, you know, this this comes with maturity that it's easy to say, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. And that's very, that's very, very simple. But I had an opportunity to have a little conversation with Martha Stewart several years ago. She was speaking at a conference. I got to be part of a small group that went in and got to have a little Q&A session with her. And I asked her the first question. And I said, Martha, is there anything that scares you? And she, in sort of a little flippant way, she just kind of chuckled and she said, no, nothing scares me. If you are prepared, if you've done your homework, if you've done your research, there is nothing in personal life or in business that should be scary than that you should fear. And um, I've tried to really remember that every day. Everything that you experience in your life will lead you to the next. And all of these experiences make you smarter and better equipped. Um, and so that's why a little bit earlier I said, here I am at 56 years old. I'm in the prime of my career right now. I feel like every day when I come to work, I'm doing the best work of my life because of all of these experiences. Oh, that is such a wonderful one to end on. Be fearless. Isn't that so true, especially when it comes to sales? We're all concerned about what's this person going to think if I reach out to them. Or My biggest hang-up sometimes is I've got this connection, and I go, at some point, they're friends of mine, but at some point, I know that they can help me out. And then I wait, and then I wait, and then I wait, and guess what? More times than not, they move on to another position. <laughs> So they're, they're in a new position. They might be able to help me in that new position, but they certainly could have helped me in the old position. And I had never asked them for the favor. And we know that when I get asked for a favor, it makes me feel good. When someone asks me for help, it actually makes me feel good. So more times than not, you're actually helping both parties when you're able to ask for that favor and the team up and the partners. So again, I love that from Kitty Hart, be fearless. So again, that was Kitty Hart. Great insights, great tips. She's the Vice President of Client Brand Experience at Heroic Productions. Thank you for joining us today for today's Super U Podcast. It's all made possible for our sponsor, Amazon Prime. Hopefully you took advantage of Prime Day recently, but all made possible by Amazon Prime. And then also the people that put the show together, our great team here at Equal Man Studios. You often hear them on the air as well. That's Jake Brin, Kelsey Gomez, and Maritza Gutierrez. And thank you so much to you, the listener. Thanks for those five stars and even those one stars. It helps us get better. So any rating helps us. So please keep continuing to put those ratings on whatever format you listen to, whether it's Spotify, whether that's Apple, iTunes, it doesn't matter where you listen to this podcast. We're just happy that you're listening. So again, this is Equal Man reminding all of us, we are superheroes. We just need that courage to wear the cape. And until next show, this is Equal Man reminding all of us, it's not what we take from the world, it's what we leave behind. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Super, 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 you.